saying this, but I, I will quickly. I feel like I should. Uh, we were in a revival last year, and um, it was a three-night revival. The second night, we were having a prayer meeting, and there was a man in the prayer meeting that received the Holy Ghost a week prior and was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins, and uh, just a very new uh, convert. Uh, I got to meet him and spend some time with him. He was, in his previous life, uh, addicted to drugs. And um, so when I heard that he received the Holy Ghost and he was baptized, I, I told him, congratulations, how wonderful it is. He said, yeah, I'm so thankful for what God is doing. But he said, you know, he showed me his arm. He said that he called them track marks. I've got these track marks all up and down my arm. And every time I look at them, they remind me of that, that past. And, and the enemy, of course, uses our past to condemn us. And, and uh, he carried the stigma. He was already born again and washed by the blood, but yet he still carried that stigma physically on him. And can I tell you, it was in that prayer meeting while we were praying, those track marks instantly disappeared from his wow. arm. Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Come on, somebody, that's never been more real than I there was then. You can be a new creature tonight. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter how many failures or bad choices you have made. God can wash it all away and become new. Amen. Praise God. Thankful for that. If you have your Bibles tonight, I, I, I feel led of the Lord. We'll be reading in the book of Judges, chapter 1. Praise God. I give honor to uh, your pastors, the Joe Strands. They've been just too kind to us, uh, so generous. And uh, they're just the accommodations, the food. We had some top-of-the-line Chinese food this afternoon. And uh, they're just, I greatly appreciate them. They're uh, such a blessing to you and to us and I give honor to you tonight for being here yeah. amen you could be anywhere anywhere else but yet you chose to be in the house of God and God will honor that amen yeah. amen I give honor to my wife as well and uh, my son Joseph uh, she doesn't like for me to say this I don't see her so I will I appreciate her passion for prayer and her fervency for the kingdom of God Amen. She's not up here preaching, but she's up at 5 o'clock in the morning praying somewhere, interceding on behalf of you and, and this service and, and for me. I, I could not stand behind this pulpit if it were not for her. Amen. I'm so thankful for her. 
Praise God. Judges chapter 1 and verse 1. Um, if we allow the will of God into our lives, I, I use that word allow uh, purposely because the Lord is a gentleman. Amen. He's not going to force you into his will. There will come a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But right now, he's not going to force you to this altar. He's not going to force you to pray. You have your own will, your own choices. Amen. Uh, but if we allow God to, to have his will in our lives, there's going to be times where God stretches us. He challenges us. He calls us out of our comfort zones. You can ask all the patriarchs and all the forefathers and apostles in the Bible. Uh, if you follow the will of God, he's going to stretch you. And so I wish that you would join with me tonight and let God stretch us. Let God challenge us. Uh, it's okay to step out of our comfort zones. It's okay to be radical on a Sunday night. Amen in Newark, Ohio. Praise God. Judges chapter 1 and verse 1. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? Uh, their, their leader had just passed away, and, and they were in need of leadership. They were in need of guidance, and, and they did what they should. They sought counsel from the Lord. I tell people sometimes if we spend more time seeking counsel from Him, you don't have to spend all of that money. Amen. He's a, he's a wonderful counselor. But they asked the Lord because, you see, there was a battle on the horizon. There was an enemy at their door. And they asked the Lord, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And in verse 2, the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Everyone say Judah. Judah. Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. When they asked the Lord that there is there's a battle on the horizon, who do you want to lead us into the battle? He simply said, I want Judah to go first. And I want to preach to you with the help of the Lord tonight. When Judah goes first. Amen. When Judah goes first. Can we lift up our voices one more time to the Lord and ask God to have His perfect will in this place. Lord, You are the potter and we're simply the clay. God, break us down to a particle of dust if You must. Lord, show me Thy way that I may know Thee, Jesus. Not my will, but Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that You would open the floodgates of heaven tonight and pour out, God, Your blessings and Your mercies upon us, Jesus. Uh, I pray that You'll begin to restore in this house, that You'll begin to renew, You'll begin to deliver, You'll begin to heal, O oh Lord. In the name of Jesus, we believe it right now, God. There's going to be some breakthroughs in this house tonight. Uh, Help us to decrease so that you can increase, Lord, and place your words in my mouth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Uh, to to uh, accurately convey the message that the Lord has, has put on my heart, I want to bring you back to Genesis chapter 28 and verse 2 when the patriarch Isaac tells his son Jacob to arise and go to Paden Aram to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. Um, he was telling his son Jacob, I want you to go to another land to find your wife. 
And Jacob found his future wife, Rachel, at none other than a well. Amen. And pastor, uh, love, they say love makes you do crazy things. I'm a believer of that. Uh, the Bible says that when he saw Rachel, that he ran up to her and kissed her and began to weep. This is, a, this is their first encounter. He sees this woman and she's so captivated by her. He runs up to her and kisses her, hopefully on the cheek, and begins to cry about it. Amen. And to get even further in it, uh, the Bible says he tells his future father-in-law Laban that I'm willing to serve seven years of my life just to take your daughter's hand in marriage. I'm willing to serve seven years of hard manual labor, Laban, just to marry your daughter. If you're a note taker here tonight, men, that means that's, that's dedication right there. If you're sitting next to your father-in-law, tell him I would do the same. Seven years I'm going to devote to you, Laban, so I can marry Rachel. And uh, the, uh, the, the Bible says that Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. He loved her. He was captivated by this woman. And the seven years were up and it was time to get married. I, I imagine he told Laban, my, I've paid my dues. Uh, uh, go grab your daughter and, and get Chick-fil-A to, to cater the wedding. Get the priest over here and let's get married. He was ready. Uh, and, the, and, and there was a wedding, you see, but lo and behold, uh, Jacob marries the wrong woman. Lord help us. Uh, he married the wrong woman because, you see, Rachel was not the only daughter that Laban had. She had an older sister named Leah. And when Jacob found out he married Leah instead of Rachel, this upset him. And in uh, Genesis 29 and verse 25, it says, It came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did, I, did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? I, I served you for Rachel and not Leah. You gave me the wrong daughter. But something happens, you see, and, and uh, Jacob was not satisfied with Leah. He wanted Rachel. Uh, the Bible in verse 17 tells us that uh, Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And I wonder what it must have felt like to that poor woman Leah when she felt like she was not good enough for Jacob. She was not good enough for her father. He pawned her off uh, to a man that didn't even want her. He says, I, you're not good enough, Leah. I wanted Rachel. Are you thankful that even though we know God can do a whole lot better than what He has with us, but yet He's still He's not looking around for anything else? He wants you. The Bible says in verse 31, chapter 29, And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, she was hated, despised, neglected, pushed aside. The Bible says he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. 
You may not be the most beautiful one in all the land, Leah, but you're going to be the most fruitful one. Because I'm not as interested in you being beautiful by the world's standards as I am you being, being fruitful in my standards. I don't care what you look like, what the world says you look like. What I care about is, are you producing fruit? Jacob was more worried about the beauty of Rachel than he was the fruitfulness of Leah. And uh, in verse 32 it says, And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction, and now therefore my husband will love me. We find what this woman desired in this verse, uh, Pastor. Her desire was to be loved by her husband. Yeah. Amen. She wanted to be accepted and embraced because she was created in God's image and because we're created in God's image we desire relationship because we're created in his image we desire to love and to be loved and this poor woman just wanted to be loved so much that she named her firstborn son Reuben which means behold a son in the Hebrew tongue she was saying look Jacob I've given you something that beautiful Rachel could never give you I provided you lineage I've given Giving you fruit. Now maybe you will love me. But you see nothing happens. Nothing changes. Uh, the way Reuben, uh, Jacob views Leah. He just. It remains the same. And, and the Bible says she uh, conceived again. And bare a son. And said because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. He hath therefore given me this son also. And she named his name Simeon. And Simeon means hearing. Maybe my husband will hear my cry. And maybe my husband will hear my sorrow at night. When I'm laying by myself. Uh, striving for the affection of Jacob. Maybe he will love me now because I've given him two sons and that beautiful barren Rachel has given him none. Nothing happens. It all remains the same. And in verse 34, she conceived again a third time and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore she called his name Levi. And, and Levi means attached or to walk together. Maybe my husband, because the third time's the charm, will walk with me. And maybe he will love me and, and embrace me now because I've given him three sons. Nothing happens. It, it remains the same. She's still striving for that love of this man that did not want her. Now, I say all that to say this. In verse 35, she conceives a fourth, a fourth son, but something changes between the third and the fourth son. Something shifts and her focus, watch this, the Bible says uh, she conceived again and bare a son and she said, now 
will I praise the Lord and therefore she called his name Judah this is the first time you see the word praise in the Bible and that word Judah also means praise she said now I'm going to praise the Lord I'm going to stop crying about what I don't have and I'm going to start praising God for what I do have I'm going to stop striving for the affection of Jacob and I'm going to rejoice in the love of Jehovah Come on, somebody. I'm preaching to you right now. You feel like you've been rejected by the world. You need to stop trying to impress Jacob. You need to stop trying to get the affection of the world. And set your eyes on Jesus. That poor woman realized, I've been loved all along. I've I've been accepted all along. I've had favor all along. You feel like you've been rejected by society. You feel like you've been pushed off by your family. Like no one loves you. That you're just here all alone. But can I tell you, God has loved you all alone. Amen. You have been accepted all alone. And and this poor woman says, now will I praise the Lord. We got to stop focusing on Jacob and get our mind on Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I say that to say this. It was that same tribe of Judah that one of the greatest worshipers and praisers King David descended from. It was that same tribe of Judah that God manifested Himself in the flesh. Jesus Christ descended from. He didn't come from the beautiful and well-favored Rachel, but he came from the neglected, tender-eyed Leah. Why would the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords descend from the lesser of the two? Why would God in all His majesty and all His glory descend from the neglected one? Because the Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And when that poor woman began to shift her praise on God, he could not help but manifest himself in her situation. Come on, somebody. I say with praise is present, then God is present. If praise is at the workplace, God will be in your workplace. If praise is involved at your home, God will step into your home. If you bring praise into your storm, God will link himself to your storm. So if your relationship with God leaves something to be desired, I would encourage you to not only praise God in the good times, but learn to praise Him in the bad times. Because it wasn't on the seashores of peace. It wasn't on top of the mountain of prosperity did Leah learn to praise Him. It was in her struggle. It was in her neglection. It was in her tribulation. It was in her storm. It was in her lowest valley. Did she look up and begin to praise him? It's no wonder wonder that King David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Because I've learned that if praise is present, involved, then God is involved. Can I tell you, church, your praise... 
Your praise creates the avenue for God's presence in your life. It paves the road for God to step into your situation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If we want God to be in our life, we've got to learn to praise Him. And I bring you back to my scripture text in Judges when, when God, when there was a battle at the, that was on the horizon and the children of Israel said, Lord, who do you want to, to go first to lead us in the battle? When God said, I want Judah to go first, He was saying, I want praise to precede your victory. Anybody can praise me at the end. Anybody can praise me when the dust is set. But I want to know, do you got enough faith to praise me at the beginning? Do you got enough faith in me to praise me at the beginning of your battle? Can you look your giant in the eyes and begin to worship me? Come on, somebody. You need to start learning how to praise in your trials. You need to stop sitting back and letting your trials define how you're going to worship. Because he's God in your trial and he's God on the mountain. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want praise to precede your victory because when you begin to worship God in your storm, when you let Judah go first, that praise precedes the victory. Your worship will turn into worship. Your praise brings God into the battle and therefore the battle's no longer yours, but it's His. I'm preaching to you right now. I'm not moving on uh, because somebody needs to hear this. Uh, can you still look at your, your doctor's report and still praise him? Uh, when you get a bad, bad report from the doctor, you don't know how the, the cancer is going to be healed. Uh, can you still praise me? When you're looking at your lost children and they're still out in the world, uh, can you still worship me? Uh, can you still praise me when you don't know how your bills are getting paid? Uh, can you still praise me when you don't know how your marriage it's going to be fit. Oh, in Jesus' name. And can you praise me at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. It's easy to complain. It's easy to look at our giants and hide behind a rock. It's easy to look at our impossible situations and the mountains that stand before us and let our faith begin to waver and sit back and let the devil get his win because everything's going wrong. It's, it's easy to do that. But a little faith, nothing shows more faith than when you're flat on your back and you're pushed against a corner. But yet some way, somehow, you lift up your voice and you learn how to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. I'm not hanging up my harp. I'm not shutting my voice. I'm going to learn to worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you ever thought about what it is that marvels God? Oh woman, great is thy faith. I have found no greater faith, no, not in all of Israel. Faith is what marvels him. Faith is when you don't know what's going to happen, but yet you still trust in him. Faith is, I don't know how it's going to occur, but yet I'm still going to praise you, God. I don't know how my, my, my children are coming back. I don't know how my marriage is going to be restored. I don't know how I'm going to make it to the next month, but I'm still going to praise you. 
our lack of praise constitutes a lack of faith. If we don't praise Him, it's saying that we don't believe in Him. Anyone can praise God after your children are prayed through. Anybody can praise God after you're healed from cancer as we should. But can I tell you, it's harder to look at your situation, but yet you still praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the kind of praise that reaches the heart of God. This is the kind of praise that builds your faith. This is the kind of praise that will keep us focused and sustain us while we wait on Him. Because those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Paul and Silas were going to have revival. But they see, they have a vision in the night of a man from Macedonia. God was leading them to Macedonia, which was the opposite direction of where they wanted to go. And uh, they were in the will of God, doing where, going where God told them to go. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 22, even though they were in the will of God, watch what happens. This Bible says, the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. They were in the will of God, but yet they were beaten unjustly and they were found themselves uh, in, in chains in the middle of this prison. Uh, they were in the middle of the prison with stripes on their back and, and bruises and blood dripping on the floor and shackles and in chains. This is the part where we begin to lose our faith. This is the part where we say, God, I thought you were in this. God, I thought you were going to do something about this. God, why would you leave me here? But can I tell you, the Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They said, we're not going to wait until God pulls us out of this mess. We're going to praise Him at the beginning we're gonna let Judah go first and praise God Hallelujah. right now in our darkest day I'm gonna praise him in my lowest valley I'm gonna lift up my voice this is powerful, church. Watch this. This is, a, this is powerful. The Bible says uh, they sung praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. We're going to let Judah go first. We're going to let praise precede the victory. Verse 26 says, And suddenly there was a great earthquake uh, so that the foundations uh, of the prison were shaken. Uh, that there was an earthquake in the physical realm. I wonder what was happening in the spiritual world. Uh, the Bible says uh, when, that, when praise precedes their victory the foundation of the prison that they were in began to shake I'm telling you right now if you learn to praise God at the beginning learn to worship him in your storm the foundation of the prison that's holding you bound will begin to shake the foundation that's holding you chained will begin to fall 
Hallelujah. And, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. When praise precedes our victory, the foundation of the thing that's holding you bound will begin to shake. And not only that, doors will begin to open. Doors that no other man can shut. No other man can alter. And here's the good part. The Bible says, didn't, didn't say that just Paul and Silas' chains were loosed. It said everyone's loose around them. That says your praise affects more than just you. I said you've got lost loved ones that are bound by alcohol, that are bound by depression right now. They're not in this sanctuary, but they're dependent on you to lift up your voice. They're dependent on you to begin to dance and to shout and to worship. Come on, somebody. How many lives are depending on you to worship? How many people are depending on us in Newark, Ohio right now? They may be bound right now, but there's going to be a church. We're going to let Judah go first. We're going to begin to break the chains and the bondage. Somebody's depending on you. Somebody's depending on their grandmother to learn to worship God in the midst of their storm. Somebody's depending on their parents right now to worship them. Somebody's depending upon their grandchildren to begin to praise Him and let Judah go first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, everyone's chains were, were uh, loosed around them. When you uh, begin to praise God, you can change the atmosphere around you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. I'm just preaching to you what I know. I don't know a whole lot of things. All I know is what God shows me. And I'm only preaching to you what I've lived. I've experienced this. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That word sacrifice, pastor, means it's going to cost you something. That word sacrifice means uh, there may be some tears involved. Uh, there may be a struggle, some opposition to the flesh. Uh, anybody can praise God when we're getting healed, when the miracles and the signs and the wonders are flowing. Uh, that's not the sacrifice of praise. Uh, the sacrifice of praise is uh, when your daddy ain't been to church in 20 years. Uh, he don't have the Holy Ghost, but yet I'm still believing. Well, my brother has never been saved, never been baptized, but yet I'm still praising and I'm still worshiping. The sacrifice of praise is when you don't have anything left. You're pushed against the corner, but yet you lift up your voice and you worship him. When we were in our lowest valley, we still lift up our voice and praise Him. Because God has not changed. Your situation changes, but God has not. So therefore, if I was praising Him in the good times, I've got to praise Him in the bad times. Amen, amen. Real quickly, Second Chronicles chapter 20. There was another battle on the horizon for the land of Judah. 
This one was one of the biggest ones they've ever experienced at the time. They had enemies all around them that had them surrounded so much to the point that it feared King Jehoshaphat. He, he called for the whole land, Pastor, to, uh, to go on a fast. And, and the whole land prayed together to seek help from the Lord. We got to hear from God. They sought his counsel once again. And in verse 12, I want you to see, no, uh, rather, yeah, or verse 12, King Jehoshaphat speaking, he says, Oh, our God, will not judge them, for we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither we know what we to do, but our eyes are upon thee. God, I don't know how to do. I don't know how to fix this situation. The enemy's much larger than I am. The situation is greater than what I am. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Yes. But our eyes are on you. And the Lord answered them through a prophet. In verse 15, he said, Hearken ye, all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's because when you let Judah go first your praise brings God into your situation some of you have been trying to do it on your own some of you have been struggling way too long you've been battling by yourself and God says what's taking you so long bring me in tap me in let me step in and help you you don't have to fight it on your own let me step in and help you that's a revelation for someone the battle's not yours it's God's praise God watch what they say watch what they say in verse 18 and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. They praised Him without first achieving a victory because they had a word. I don't have to see the victory, God, because I have a word. Some of you need to get this right now. You don't have to see the light of day. You don't have to see the end of the tunnel. You don't have to see the other end of the valley. But you've got a word. When Peter walked out on that water, he didn't step out on water. He stepped out on the word. You can walk on the word. You can stand on the word. I got a word tonight. The battle's not yours, but God. You can stand on the word. You can lean on the word. Jesus, Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Uh, the Bible says in verse 21, And uh, they appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before 
the army. And to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. The worshipers went out before the warriors. There was not an, a sword that was swung. There was not an arrow that was shot. The Bible says they went out to sing to praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, you can read it in the Bible. The Bible says the enemy began to kill himself because the enemy cannot stand when a child of God lets Judah go first. The enemy can't stand it when you're flat on your back and you're down and you're out. But yet you lift up your voice and say, Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. Don't you count me out, for I have fallen, I shall arise. The Lord shall be a light unto me. Don't you rejoice against me, Satan. <laughs> Their praise brought the victory, and the enemy destroyed itself. Praise God. Musicians, if you'll come, I'm coming to a close. Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. There was not an arrow that was shot. There was not a sword that was swung. But with a great praise, a great shout, Pastor, the walls of Jericho fell down. Their praise did what the, Lord, the world said never could be done. Your praise will do what the Lord never could be done. Praise God. Praise God. I picture myself and these stories in the Bible I, because they really happened. They, were, they really happened. They were real people. And I placed myself in these positions the best I can in my mind and, and wonder how they say this how did you do this and I picture myself pastor as Paul and Silas sitting in that Roman prison in the midst of the night uh, and there's prisoners around them uh, that are screaming telling them to hush uh, shut up uh, don't you know this is the end uh, don't you know that this is a, an impossible situation their hands were bound their feet were in chains but yet some way, somehow, Dr. Joe Strand, they looked at each other and they said, hey, hey, they thought our feet were the problem. They thought our hands were the problem. They should have gagged us because we've got a voice. And as long as I've got a voice, I'm going to praise my way out of this chains. I said, as long as you've got a voice, you can be bound by every demon in hell. You can be bound by your hands and your feet.